0: From 4th, this is So What Do You Do? podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? I'm Ellie, and you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and learn where you too can thrive in a 9 to 5. Hello everyone. Today we are talking to Robert and Robert is actually an associate for a political firm here in Baton Rouge and Robert provides r- research and insights to his team. He carefully monitors everything involving legislation and policy that affects his clients interest. He supports his team by providing operational assistance in order to better serve his clients. Prior to his current role, Robert worked with the National 4-H Council in D.C., John Bell Edwards for governor for the state of the Louisiana State Senate, and in government relations at a Baton Rouge law firm. Robert currently serves as the co-chair of Hobby Louisiana, which empowers high school students to lead and excel. Today, Robert and I talk about his constant desire to always work in politics, how he landed his first job, and what he believes will help you get your dream position. Let's hear from Robert. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. And without further ado, we have Robert on the line with us. So Robert, please introduce yourself and tell us what do you do?
1: Yeah. So, well, first off, thank you for having me on. I'm I'm really excited to hopefully be able to to help some people find uh, some clearer vision with where they're going and and kind of share my story. Um, My name is Robert Lawson, and I am a 25-year-old young professional here in Baton Rouge working in government relations. Um, And I know that title is kind of, and that industry is kind of um, unfamiliar to most people, but basically um, I kind of sit at the crossroads of connecting people and clients um, with legislators, with elected officials and with resources and processes in state government.
0: Very cool, okay, awesome. So that is a perfect description of what you do at a high level and I'm sure it's very easy to type that out on your bio. So before we jump into <laughs> what that actually means, right? Tell us a little bit about your background and you know, where, maybe where you went to school, what you studied and what has led you to this role today.
1: Sure. So um, kind of my first introduction to the field was actually when I was in high school. Um, I had the opportunity to be um, appointed to serve on something called the Legislative Youth Advisory Council. And at the time, I just had a, a lot of passion and, and a lot of um, energy for making a difference in the state and decided to get involved with that council. Um, and, and through three years of working with other youth, I was able to pass legislation um, and really get exposed to the process and to really how unique and impactful it can be when um when you get students and other people involved in the process Mm -hmm. um and so after um several years of doing that um I actually had the opportunity to work at the state senate uh with people I'd been working with when I was in high school and spent some time there really getting to understand um how state government functions as well as Mm -hmm. you know just kind of the, the 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 tips that you don't ever think of you know how to communicate with people how to um plan events, how to, to really be a good guest at events, those things that are really kind of key uh, to professional mm-hmm. success. And after that, um, I had an opportunity to, to take a job. I was still a student at the time at LSU, and um, I was looking for, you know, a little higher pay. And So I took a job that I didn't think would, would really lead anywhere. Um, it was kind of just a student worker job. And after being there for a year, um, I took some time off of school, and they actually ended up creating a role for me uh, based around what my skill set was, which was, wow. a, you know, incredible, an incredible opportunity and a, and a great, um, a, a great blessing that I had. Um, and that would actually, in mean, catapulting, I was at that firm for four years um, and kind of continued to go down the path there um, before taking on my current role um, where I serve as an associate, but also as the president of my own company. And I contract out um, with some other colleagues of mine uh, to advocate for clients.
0: Very cool. Okay, awesome. So it sounds like you knew the field and you were really interested in the industry that you're in now, but you didn't, obviously you didn't necessarily know what that end goal would be. And I'll go ahead and ask you the job that you're in now, the role, like you said, you're an associate, um, and you serve clients and, and it's really like customer facing, but in this government sector, um, Did you know that that job even existed at the time when you were in that student worker job?
1: So when I was in that student worker job, I knew that there were people who did this sort of work. Um, To be honest, I kind of looked at them as um, not really being a part of the process. I didn't have a whole lot of respect for the Mm -hmm. role that they played. Um, and, And that's something I think, you know, the longer you're in an industry, there's these little misconceptions you have about it that are completely blown away. Mm -hmm. And that's been the the biggest one for me is that, you know, when I was 17, 18, even uh, 20, 21, I didn't have respect for what people who do what I do did. Um, But over time, I really began to see the value in in what they were doing and understood that it was a path I could go down. Um, I thought people kind of stumbled upon it. And, And in a sense, you do have to stumble upon it, but you do have to, you have to have the right connections and you have to have the right opportunities, but you do have to put a lot of work into making sure you're the right candidate. And that's yeah. something that um, about three years ago I realized was really really key to breaking into this field.
0: Very cool. Okay, so that's that's really helpful information. You mentioned kind of in your background explanation that you had done this student worker job, kind of not knowing what to expect, but it sounds like mm-hmm. you did the work that needed to be done, right? You, you put forth your best effort, you impress them enough that they would make a role for you. Like you mentioned, which is so awesome. And that's the goal for anyone. I tell my students all the time, the ideal situation is you're working for a company that you love and they're catering the job to, because they want to keep you right. And they're figuring Mm -hmm. out the role that is best suited for you and your skills. So then it sounds like you you did well in that job, you enjoyed that position, but you did kind of start to see, okay, there might be some other job paths here. Um, there may be some other opportunities. Let me just continue down the path that I'm on. Let me make the most connections as possible. And then it sounds mm-hmm. like that's what ultimately led you to your role today. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I would say it was one part connection, uh, one part courage. And I mm. say courage, not confidence. Cause I think humility is something that's really, um, important when you are, when you're thinking of that, that sort of mindset, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be able to take on big things, um, but you have to be humble. So I would say one part communication, mm-hmm. one part courage, and then just one part creativity. I think yeah. showing and improving to people that you're innovative um, and that you're willing to kind of do things differently and take a chance um, mm-hmm. really goes a long way as long as you continue to have a tireless work ethic when you do it.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think it's that work ethic combined with that innovation and creativity, because I think some people just want to think of the idea, move on to the next, and they're not willing to put sure. in the work. And so I love that you say that. Um, so I think this is kind of naturally progressing us to my to the next segment of our podcast, which I like to call, what do you actually do? So there may be people <laughs> listening saying, okay, that sounds really neat. If you could just uncover for my audience." what an average day looks like? What do you actually do and kind of break up your day, if you will?
1: Sure. Um, so I always kind of think my, my chief role that I play with the team that I work with is to be the, the, the person who's monitoring news and policy and events. Um, so I would say probably a majority of my day is either spent um, reading through the thousands of news alerts I have set up Mm-hmm. Or it's um, watching different meetings going on at the Capitol and staying current there. A lot of my day, believe it or not, is spent just looking at Twitter and um, seeing what legislators are saying and seeing what mm-hmm. um, political influencers in the state are saying. So I would say probably the biggest chunk of a set day is just monitoring news and things like that. Um, secondly, I think the most important thing I do during the day is interfacing with our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know that can be everything from a short email asking you know, when's the next election for this office or who is the legislator for this area mm-hmm. to something as difficult as um, they might ask us to, to analyze a piece of law and to look yeah. at the, the legislative history and how it came to be. Um, so it's, it's a lot of client interface. And then I think kind of my, my, my third role that I really play is, um, is making sure that we are always staying in connection and, and in contact with the people we work with at the Capitol. Um, so it's not just the legislators that we, that, you know, that we are there to 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 get to know and, and to try and advocate to, but it's also working with other people in our field. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my day is spent um, getting coffee with, you know, somebody many of the other young professionals who do what I do or getting yeah. a drink or just following up with them. Um, because in our field, having that support system is really, really crucial. Mm-hmm. And so I do spend a lot of my time um, just kind of networking with them. So I would say client facing um, legislative space and stuff, and then kind of monitoring what's going on is m- majority of my day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard to, to break it down any further, just because you never know what's coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we, we are here to be the, the answer man a lot of times. And so there's a lot of questions that I would never expect to get, um, but that I have a, a lot of fun getting the answer.
0: Yeah. And so I think that that's actually a perfect segue, because I was about to say, I, I can assume just based on casual knowledge that things probably your day is so dependent on what happened the day before the night before the morning of Mm -hmm. you know kind of just current events because like you said you've got google alerts that you're checking you're reading up on things you're reading articles because you need to like you said have the answers to those questions one interesting question that i've gotten from my audience is what kind of emails do you have waiting for you when you get to your desk
1: so I'm actually kind of having a little late start to my morning, so I can look through my inbox right now and kind of tell you <laughs> what I have waiting for me. Yeah. Um, I would say, so right now I have 112 news alerts, so that's, wow. that's kind of the biggest thing I tackle in the morning. Uh, it looks like I have about four emails from clients just kind of following up on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because I do work with, a, with two really great colleagues at work, um, we work really closely as a team. So most of my emails are, you know, little follow-ups, check-ins on things. Um, I have a couple calendar reminders because there's a couple legislators who have birthdays today. Um, And then the other big thing that I have a lot of emails from is one really important um, thing that we do is join other associations um, so that we can kind of be really um, in tune with what their policy issues are and and work with their members. So a lot of the emails I have are newsletters or updates um, from trade associations here in the state as well.
0: Gotcha. Okay, very cool. So that's, so, that's kind of
1: a, a very broad look at the two hundred something emails I need to go read. <laughs>
0: yes, and so how many of those emails would you say on an average day are like SOS, important and urgent? Right then, kind of scratch the rest of your day. We need to tackle this.
1: I would I would break it down maybe by email chain, just because uh we do communicate primarily through email. Where we don't work in an office together, gotcha. so I would say okay. probably. Six to seven email chains a day are things that cannot be ignored, respond right away.
0: Okay. Gotcha. That makes, that's, that's helpful. And that's their major form of communication, not only with your team, but also with your clients. So it makes sense that you would sure. be very email heavy in your work. So now let's talk a little bit about what is your favorite thing about your job? If you had to only pick one, um, what kind of makes you want to get up and go to work every day?
1: I, every day, have an opportunity to get people involved in the process, and Mm -hmm. by process, I mean that every day I have an opportunity, especially um, kind of one of my big passions is getting young people to be civically engaged. It's, Mm -hmm. It's been a passion of mine for a long time, so every day I have the opportunity to either talk to someone or hear about something or read about something that I can then pass on.
0: Um, and encourage
1: and kind of motivate others to take up. And in the end, I genuinely go to bed every day feeling like I have an opportunity to make Louisiana a better place. And that's, that's something awesome. that's really important.
0: It sounds like this has been an ongoing passion for you. You said I've felt this way for a long time. So the fact that you're getting to kind of live that in your role now is really fulfilling.
1: Yeah, Doc. So uh, one of my favorite quotes is by uh, Dr. Albert Schweitzer, um, and he says, "Success is not the key to happiness." Happiness is the key to success. If you love mm-hmm. what you are doing, you'll be successful. And that's been something that I've kept in mind uh, pretty much my entire career is that as long as I still feel like um, I'm fulfilling a personal passion mm-hmm. with my work, I'm going to be happy.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So what, in, in turn of that, what do you think is the most challenging, hardest, or your, just your least favorite thing about your job?
1: Oh, that's a hard one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I said earlier that having courage is really important. And, and I consider myself to be a very social person. It's very rare that I walk into a room and I you know, don't know how to go talk to someone. Mm-hmm. But that is something that I've had to learn. Um, you know, with this job, a lot of times you're being thrown into the room with people who are, who are, you know, average people, everyday people, but just because of a title in front of their name, they come mm-hmm. with this kind of fear Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a lot of it was just realizing that one, I live in a place where people are genuinely really friendly and and nobody has, you know, um, negative intentions, but two realizing that I was capable mm-hmm. of keeping up in those conversations and, and not to let my age or my inexperience, um, ever prevent me from that. And so that's the most challenging thing is just kind of having that daily courage to put yourself out there and put yourself in the position that most people my age aren't, um, getting involved in.
0: Right. And I think that goes back to, and I've mentioned this before with fourth things is just that imposter syndrome. I think we all have it. Mm-hmm. And, um, like you said, it's, it's deciding in that day, in that moment that you're going to have courage to do whatever it is that is maybe intimidating, scary. And and again, I think to your point, I, I think people that are maybe shy and reserved think, oh, you know, Ellie or Robert or whoever, you, you don't have any problem with that. That's just a me thing because I'm shy or I'm reserved. And it's like, no, we all struggle. I I'm the first person to say, even with this podcast, it's like just flexing a muscle that's uncomfortable because you're meeting people. And you know, Robert, this is our first time meeting over call. And it's like, it's intimidating and, but yet it's for the good of my work and for my students. And it sounds like similarly to you, it's like, even when something is intimidating or even just overwhelming from the sense of, gosh, I'm only, you know, X years old. I, I don't, who am I to be walking into this room or talking to this person, but it's overcoming that and, and realizing that you're not the only one that feels that way, you know?
1: And- And, you know, one thing that I think has really helped with that was taking myself, I think our generation in this day and age, we are, we fall so easily into this trap of texting somebody for a quick question or Mm -hmm. sending an email. And we don't have those face to face interactions where you do kind of have to, to be on your feet and think instantaneously. Mm -hmm. And so I I also, that's a lesson that I've really learned the past two years is just give them a call.
0: Yes. Don't worry about a
1: text. Don't worry about email. Give somebody a call. Just go grab coffee. Yep. You're going to dread doing it. You're going to think you're wasting time, but in the end, it's always going to be worth it.
0: Yes. And, and I think
1: that's, that's, that's my biggest tip.
0: I love for that. that. For that Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. I had an old boss who um, used to say, if you're sitting down to write me an email and it takes you more than five minutes to draft it, stop typing and give me a call. Because nine times out of 10, yep. first of all, you're going to save time, number one, then drafting this really, you know, whatever pertinent email that you may or may not get everything you need to get out on it. And also, you're really missing out on that opportunity to just have that conversation, solve the problem, get the answer, and then move on. You know, it's both a communication factor, but it's also a time factor. It's like, I, It's quicker almost just to call and, you know, get the answer that you need. So I love that. But the kind of the biggest point and which brings us to our third part of the podcast is how do I get there? So if you were a young person, maybe in college, even high school, maybe they're a recent graduate, knowing that they want your job in 10, 5, 10, 15 years, whatever it may be, what would be the best next step for them today? Or upon graduation, if you could give them one piece of advice to get to where you are right now.
1: So I'll start by saying I'm very much a believer in that your career starts in high school. Mm. Um, I think in this day and age, you know, with with high, college graduation rates higher than ever and with mm-hmm. not a whole lot of things that set people apart, if you have a resume that started when you were 17, 18, and even if it was, my first job was working at a pharmacy cleaning the floors after mm-hmm. school every day. But the fact that at 15, I, you know, I had a job that really helped because you, what I tell people is every job you have is going to help you get the next one. Yep.
0: Um, and,
1: and, I really, and I really think having that kind of growth mindset from high school is important. But I think it's not just the job you have. It's also what you do. So um, don't be apathetic in high school. If there's any high school listeners listening, mm-hmm. get involved in things because that's where you find what you want to do. That's where mm-hmm. you find your passion and find um, those basic skills. You know, I was really involved in a program called 4-H in high school, and without that, I I would have no clue how to talk to people, how to present, um, how to do any of the things I do. So I think for me, it started there. Um, In college, I will say, you know, internships are really, really important, um, but what's more important is getting yourself into a a place where you are interacting with role models. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've had internships that weren't great, and they might have looked good on my resume, and they might have been good for what I wanted to do. But I've also had jobs that had nothing to do with what I wanted to do that I got way more out of because I was interacting with real professionals who really had an interest in, in pushing me further. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of goes back to, to that first comment I had, that find something that you're happy doing and somewhere where you can grow and not just something that looks good on the resume. Um, awesome. I love so yeah, that. So, so definitely start in high school. Definitely start in high school. Definitely find something where you're happy. Um, and, and then this is... Uber important in my field, but just always make sure you're you're um you're building those connections. You know, one of the I was telling you before we started the interview. One of my favorite things to do is is to help my friends who are looking for jobs, mm-hmm. even if it's just to sit down and do a mock interview with them, or to help them get on LinkedIn and research where they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it's really important that we help each other, especially at our age, um, mm-hmm. build our careers because, and to be quite frank with you, there's a lot of people who owe me favors, and those favors come in handy. Um, And not only favors, but there are people and and friends that I've made through that process that every day continue to build me up. I have a, a group of about seven or eight people my age who do what I do. And between the eight of us, we're almost unstoppable because we have such loyalty and and such a, such a connection already established between us, you know?
0: Right. Absolutely. So yeah, I think a
1: connection starting early and doing something that makes you happy.
0: We talk about connections and networking a lot with fourth and, and, and a variety of other podcast interviews that I've done. But I think your point that I love that you just made that kind of differentiates that is you really network with, your peers in your field Mm -hmm. and like you said you have this group that's almost kind of unstoppable because you have each other's backs even when you could in theory be considered competitors or you know whatever one side versus the other side but it's you're saying we're kind of all in this together and if I can help you that means you can help me and vice Mm -hmm. versa and like you said people can owe you favors and and I think that that's how the world works and that's how the workplace works. Um, And I think that we can use that to our advantage. Um, So I think I love that because networking isn't just networking with people that are older than you that could be mentors to you, but it's your peers as well in school and once you start your career. So that's a really, really great. Those are all great pieces of advice. I I really It's also just nice
1: to have the support and to have people who are going through the same frustrations you are every single day, who will listen? I, you know, at For the sure. end of the day, that alone is is worth putting yourself out there and getting to know people.
0: For sure. I, I could not agree with that more. Just having some um, camaraderie and some, you know, understanding sure. of For what sure. you may be going through. I could not agree more. I always say I could not have made it past the first six months of my first job without my you know, class of new hires. We, we started with like a group of six and I don't know what I would have done without them because on the days where I just wanted to hide underneath my desk, I was like, you guys are the only reason that I'm showing my face today and sitting in this chair. So I could (laughs) not agree more. Um, well, Robert, this has been so helpful, so inspiring, but also just Full of chock full of wisdom, so I really really appreciate your time and your expertise. Um, one thing that I like to offer up to my students and to my interviewees is, um, are you okay? Are you comfortable with me providing your LinkedIn contact so people can connect with you and send you a message, let them let you know how they enjoyed your interview, etc.?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and I will tell you. It might take me a couple of days to respond, but I'm more than willing to answer any questions. And and to be frank, to help you find any job you're looking for in the in the Baton Rouge or Louisiana
0: politics sector. Awesome, awesome. So I will link um, Robert's LinkedIn in the show notes, so you can. If this if this interview was interesting to you, if you have any additional questions that we didn't get to ask today. Um, I would highly recommend you reaching out to Robert. And like you said, give him ample time to get back to you. He's a busy guy, but, um, (laughs) but um, that's very generous of you. So thank you for. Definitely. All right. Well, thanks again. And I hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you loved this episode and are inspired by this nine to fiver, let us know, subscribe and leave us a five-star review, screenshot this episode and tag us on social. At fourth underscore LLC, We would love to hear what professionals and industries you want to hear from next. Want more career guidance, discovery, and inspiration? Be sure to visit our website, goforthllc.com, and browse our career downloads, read our blogs, and get inspired to go forth.